Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Anne Devereaux Mills. Anne is such a great inspiration, a great model, if we want to use that word, of the way we might approach major transitions in our life. Of course, everything is individual, but Anne is with us to share about some major shifts in her life and how she navigated through them and as a result created a program, events, called Parley House, that is an experience ongoing experiences of really getting in touch with ourselves and doing so in a connected way. Well, Anne is here and can really provide the best insights. Anne Devereaux Mills, good morning. It is wonderful to welcome you this morning. And it's wonderful to be with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I am just so excited and so looking forward to both this conversation and the opportunity to offer to women in our Puget Sound area that you will be here later on in the week and they'll have an opportunity, if they so choose, to meet you in person and learn a lot more as well. Yes, I will be at the launch of my organization called Parlay House. Uh, at two events in Seattle on the 5th and 6th of this month. So uh, we can tell more, more, more about it later, but the, the information can also be found by logging on to the parlayhouse.com website. Exactly. And we'll be also including that information on our website. So we'll make sure everyone has what they need in in terms of getting this information. Because so far, we've mentioned Parlay House. We've mentioned the fact that there is an event. And this is Parlay is such a, a great, wonderful opportunity, experience, uh, a, a real great, um, oh, I think it's actually used, uh, the word blueprint is also used as what we can do with this in our lives. So that's what makes it very exciting. So now let's kind of look at the detail beyond the excitement part yeah, of it. what are we talking about? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you started the Parley House, but you've also now to as a companion, The Parley Effect is a great book because it gives a lot more detail and information and guidance, I feel. It does. So the, the for listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, um, I was a single mom, serial entrepreneur in New York City and also had been a cancer patient uh, while going through a divorce, had a hysterectomy, got through my surgery, grabbed hold of my daughters and built a lovely life for ourselves as I was a, you know, a successful leader and they were becoming successful independent young women. And I had one of those inflection moments in life when I got a call from my oncologist who had been following me since my surgery and he said, you know, the cells have accelerated again and you need to have more surgery, which is not what anybody wants to hear. But I'm tough and I, you know, was surviving in a in a very a competitive industry and rising to the top. And I walked into my boss's office in my high-heeled shoes and business suit and said, I'm going to have to take a couple weeks off. I'm uh, going to have this surgery, but I'll be back. I'll be running the company. No big deal. Just wanted you to know. And he said, uh, I'm going to have someone else run the company. And in that instant, I lost my job, my health. My last daughter was about to go to college. And I lost my sense of self. I didn't know who I was. And I realized that in the 25-year history where I'd been building businesses and running advertising agencies, um, I had been 
doing rather than feeling. And the relationships that I had made while doing were very transactional in nature. And in fact, the majority of those people that were in my life that I'd worked for or who had worked for me disappeared very quickly uh, when I didn't have power. And this was an eye-opener for me because that was my community, given how hard I worked and any free time was devoted towards raising my daughters. Uh, I, I couldn't believe that all of a sudden now that I was sick and now that I was out of power, I was also out of connection and out of, out of friendships. I did some deep soul searching to try to figure out what what did I want now that my uh, life was no longer defined by who I was or what I did for a living or whose mom I was. And I started to realize that um, I had spent all this time focusing on achieving and doing and not about um, building the, the four quarters instead of 100 pennies of friends that would be with me. Uh, in in meaningful levels and in meaningful times of my life, and the only thing that didn't explode at that at that terrible moment where I lost everything was a relationship that had been building. I had been dating long distance uh, a guy who I, I'm thrilled to now call my husband, and he was with me during the surgery and with me in trying to process how my life had just changed so much and was smart. You know, I would have just gone back out, gotten another job, run another company, continued on this treadmill. And he said, you know, honey, look around. This is killing you. We we now have the opportunity to merge our lives together, come out to California, and let's figure out a different path that is not going to take such a toll on your physical health and by this stage on your on your mental health. And so I did. I dropped my last daughter off at college, kept heading west. Uh, I had grown up in Seattle, and so the West Coast was not uh, unfamiliar to me. Uh, But I moved to San Francisco, a place where I didn't know anybody. Uh, You know, I knew David. We were going to create a life together, but I didn't have a friend. And as I was starting to think about what were my life moments where I felt the most connection, it was with my my sisters growing up in Seattle, it was with my daughters in our house of hormones where the family motto was all drama all the time, uh, growing up in New Jersey where we connected. It was Wellesley College where I went to an all-women's college and spent four years with thousands of other women who lifted each other up and were bright and inclusive and warm and talked about things I'd never heard of. And I wanted some of that. That had been missing from my powerful, successful business life. So I started experimenting. I didn't know anybody, but I knew people who knew people in San Francisco. And I said, I know I'm sounding kind of like a loser here, but do you guys know a few women, strangers who might want to come over to my home and I'll serve some champagne and some food and we can just create a new sense of community in my home among people who are not exactly like each other? And it was just kind of a random experiment. And sure enough, my friends delivered and 12 women sat in my living room and we started having conversations. And the conversations, this is 2012, the conversations were uh, sometimes framed on poetry or on a film or on something. But the content that we used to frame them was not as relevant as the fact that we were finally in a safe space to talk about things that there weren't other places to talk about. So when I said without being defined by my job and even being fired, I feel like a failure. I feel lonely. I feel isolated. I don't know what to do next. 
the women sitting around me would be nodding their heads and saying, me too. And they were saying me too before me too meant the sexual harassment, the important things that it means today. But me too was another form of that, of saying, I have a shared experience that I have not had a place to talk about. I have feelings that are not okay to let out in other parts of my life that you all are creating safe space for. And it turned out that each of these women was parlaying one chapter of her life. It might be her life stage. It might be a career. It might be a relationship, uh, many forms of evolution of self. But because they were not just doing, they were feeling, they were looking around them instead of straight ahead, they were open to parlaying into new directions. And that's why we called our organization Parlay House, providing a safe space to try new things and transition in new ways. And lovely enough, the word parlay in French also means to speak, spelled differently, but same same meaning. And so we were having talks among strangers in a strange house. And people walked out of that first session thinking, wow, that was unlike anything I've done before. I met people I've never met. I talked about things I didn't have safe spaces to talk about. Let's do this again next month. And next month, the 12 people became 30 people, and the conversations evolved, and then it soon became 50 and 70. Before I knew it, we had 3,000 women in the Bay Area in, in waves, not at all at one time, coming to my home to talk in a safe space. And so this was a a revelation to me on how great we could feel with 20-year-olds and 80-year-olds and ranges of races and political views and sexual orientation, all just coming to find out where our common truths were and to, to lift each other up. So the organization is now in 12 cities around the world, growing quickly. And the book that you mentioned, The Parlay Effect, is about the cascade of inclusion and meaning that comes from these small interactions and small acts of kindness, empathy, generosity, inclusion from one woman to the next. And I do so appreciate, and I think this has grown as it has because of your openness, your honesty, your willingness to share your story very clearly. I think that gives every one of us an opportunity to say, oh, this is safe. I can talk about this. I don't have to put on this mask, this front, to look like I'm this strong and capable woman, which we are, but we think it has to look a certain way. Right. You know, I I was at a conference recently where David Brooks, the New York Times columnist, was talking about uh, transitions, and I didn't even realize he'd been doing some research on them as well. And he said that 50% of people are in some sort of life transition at any given time. And if we accept that, that it might be, you know, might be job or it might be a, a physical move, it might be a new home, it might be, you know, those times are times of less stability, but they're also times to stop just looking straight ahead and to ask questions about your own fulfillment, happiness, connection, purpose. And I, I love the validation from him because it explained why it was relatively easy for us to grow and why in cities around the, the country, the next one to be Seattle, women are saying, yes, please bring these spaces here because, you know, we too have uh, unmet needs for for bonding and connection and getting outside of our bubbles uh, that aren't being met in other ways in our lives. And in terms of just some of the fundamentals, the reason it's grown is, well, it's related to the whole scheme of how this works or the whole pattern is bringing someone with us. Yes. 
So the way the membership grows is once you're a member and there's no cost for being a member, you just buy a ticket to come to an event that helps us provide the nice nice wine and food that we provide. Um, the way it grows is you take responsibility for lifting another woman forward, bringing her to the group, inviting her, and introducing her to someone so that she doesn't have to arrive alone. And it's amazing because each member becomes the director of membership in their little circle. And uh, it's what keeps our organization diverse as well, because, you know, we do tend to, on our daily lives, live with people that are more like us. So if we build an organization that starts diverse, and then each of us is, is pulling from our own circle, it stays diverse. And so it's a, it's a really nice way of empowering each person uh, to help shape their experience and the experience of the women that follow them. Yes, it feels so beautiful along with being powerful. So we have uh, these groups. I think in the book it mentions uh, that you could have 40 to 75 people in your home or even more maybe. It's true. It depends on the space. So when I host them in San Francisco, we do have as many as 75 people every month Um, in my New York apartment. It's not as big. Uh, We actually have an event happening tonight. Uh, I think I'm expecting about 40 to 45 people. It'll be a tight squeeze, but there's something kind of fun when we're all squeezed into couches and sitting on floors and talking about uh, intimate issues. Our two uh, guest speakers tonight uh, are experts in subliminal messaging and how you can tell if someone might be a psychopath, how you can know more about them by how they present themselves in the world. And it's super helpful from a a dating standpoint, from a relationship standpoint, from a work standpoint, uh, even within the family, to understand how nuanced behaviors are actually telling us more than the words do. So it's fun to squeeze in and gather and hear these things and then say, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe the psychopath that I have to work with, um, and get some comfort from women who are finally understanding what the dynamics are based on this particular topic. So you mentioned having speakers come. So occasionally it's it's like that, or is it always like that? There's always content. So I would say sometimes it's one person telling her story. Sometimes it's more educational. So we've had how to be the, the financial boss of your life so that you don't end up down the road without having been part of financial decisions. Um, oftentimes it's incredibly insightful women talking about their, their journeys that it might have included mental illness or eating disorders on their path and how they dealt with them uh, and what the reality of their situations were. Um, we've had experts in narcissism and how to deal with the narcissists in your life. Um, we have done Bollywood dance class. Uh, to, to understand how some Pakistani women in the San Francisco area formed a troupe that helped them carry some of their cultural experience with them to this country. Um, and, and it's a wide range from humorous to incredibly deep and introspective to connected. And I think the very favorite event of the year that we do in every city where we operate is we because we're so so focused on not presenting ourselves by what we do for a living, but who we are as people, we ask each woman who's coming to bring a book that is somehow related to her life story, important to her or tells a similar story in some way. And this is a way of allowing you to start having conversations with other people that are explaining parts of you that you don't usually expose. 
And so at the end of the night, if you connected with someone, you take home her book, her, her email address and contact information is in it, and you continue the conversation about your true lives through books uh, as a result of that event. So they're all, they're, there's a wide range, and the great thing about our organization is it's opt-in, it's inclusive, and if you happen to be interested in what we're talking about that night, um, you buy a ticket and you come. And if you're not interested, you still might be interested the next month, and so you keep an eye on it. And it, it's very, um, it's, it's free form and organic in that way. Um, and I do have, you know, sort of groupies that they don't care what we're talking about because the value of just being in a room full of women who are listening and connecting is so much more important that they don't even care about the content. And there are other people who are like, oh, yes, I would love to hear one of the founders of cryptocurrency talk about why it's such a male world and what we can do to change it. And we've had that more activist conversation as well. And so it's just great because everyone interprets for themselves what they can get out of it. Oh, it feels so exciting and empowering. And here we have it right at our disposal because it's going to be here in Seattle uh, over the next couple of days later in the, uh, this week. So how do we go about registering for that, Anne? The best thing to do would be to go onto the Parlay House website um, and there's a contact us button. Um, or you can email me directly, which is Anne, A-N-N-E, at parlayhouse.com. And parlayhouse is P-A-R-L-A-Y-H-O-U-S-E.com. Very simple. And Very simple. S- something that we will find, I feel, could be just uh, that great gift that we give ourselves. Uh, e- explore. There's nothing to lose. And... W- the way that it is structured, if yes, I guess structured is the right word, is uh, to make it a very even playing field, if you will, because there are these tickets that mean commitment. We can't just kind of drop in if we feel like right. it, right? Right, because we plan, we want to get it, we want to have enough food and enough to drink. And so by having people buy a ticket for $25, um, it's not. It's not a huge commitment, and we, we used to do them for free, and we had a whole lot of people who didn't show up. They didn't have skin in the game. They had There was nothing to lose by at the last minute picking something else, um, except that we lost as an organization because we had put more into it and didn't have people. So, um, yeah, there, you, you buy a ticket, you show up, and you um, engage with other women. And I, what I think it builds upon uh, in – the book, The Parlay Effect, you talk about how we are learning to trust ourselves. If we haven't done that, if that's kind of a new thing because we've been so driven by just coming together at any time for any month, regardless of the topic, I think it exposes us to building on that understanding, on that intuition. It does. And, you know, the nice thing about coming, even if you don't particularly rate to Uh, relate to the content is we create safe spaces for the speakers and panels to be pretty vulnerable. And so you're quite likely to be triggered with some of their um, information and assertions and life experience in a way that makes you reflect on your own life and goals and opportunities. And so even if you're thinking, I don't know how the story of how a woman in marketing 
became a dominatrix has any relevance to me whatsoever. And that was an event that we did, uh, an incredible journey of one woman and her sort of sexuality. But it posed for a lot of the women there questions that were, you know, more mainstream, more comfortable to them, but about how they were living their their lives and whether they were fulfilling um, pieces of themselves that had been neglected for so very long. And so, you know, sometimes we push the we push the limits of what we're talking about. But even in that provocation, even at he- hearing someone whose life story is much more extreme uh, than our listeners might be, it still allows us to ask questions in our own context, in our own way, uh, that that help us not just ride through this one life we have uh, without exploring and seeing what a next chapter is. I mean, I'm a firm believer in my late 50s that I have only just begun to learn and to grow and to stretch and to try new things. And I hope I'm like that till the last day I'm I'm on earth because it's what keeps it exciting and exhilarating and um, comfortable in the not knowing. And that learning and that knowledge is not a place that we arrive to and we plateau. I think that's really what our entire life is about, is really continuing to learn and to grow and be a vibrant part of the community and of our whole world. Exactly. Right. So this is that encouragement, is uh, a place where we really can learn and bond together. And I think an, another beauty of this, and I think you alluded to it, Anne, is people, you know, by bringing these the books that demonstrate who they are or illustrate who they are and they can connect more with each other about that is women can become basically mentors to each other, either consciously or unconsciously. And that too is invaluable. It it totally is. And we don't do it for that purpose. We actually have very few rules uh, at Parlay House, but one of the most important ones is non-extraction. So when you have a marketing person and you have a woman finally starting her business or her nonprofit, the tendency in the rest of society would be to ask that marketing person if she will do some volunteer work to help the other woman get started. Well, many of us are on the bottom of the hierarchy of who gets taken care of in the rest of our lives. As women, we take care of kids, we take care of spouses, we take care of parents, we take care of work. And at the end of the day, we're not getting as much care. So this is supposed to be a place where Everyone feels protected and cared for and sacred, and so we have sort of a a no-ask, no-extraction policy during the events. Now, afterwards, women do team up and do projects together. They might hire each other. They might form sub-friendships and some groups uh, that are supportive, but we really have a no a no-ask policy. And that's kind of wonderful to know and you're, that you can go and be safe to listen and learn and meet people outside of your normal course of life, the people you are not hanging out with every day, that add a different level of richness without asking anything of you. And for those, uh, we're fortunate, of course, that we have Parley House coming to Seattle, and I can see then this is a just a fertile area for this to continue to really take root and grow. But for communities where this isn't happening yet, I think the Parley Effect book has 
this added value where we can read the stories and potentially create these gatherings in our own communities? Absolutely. So the stories that you're referring to are um, super important. They're part of what the word the parlay effect means. Um, and, and I'll talk to you about that in one second. You know, the, the opportunity to bring Parlay House into neighborhoods and towns where it doesn't is, exist is the reason I wrote the book. You know, we're now in 12 cities because I have identified uh, 10 other women who each in their own way are willing to host the launch and growth of Parlay House in their cities. They often do it in, in a collaborative way. Two or three of them get together uh, to do it. But there's no reason it can't be anywhere in the world. In fact, uh, our latest one after we finish with Seattle, the next one will be in Amman, Jordan, um, you know, halfway around the world in the Middle East, a very different uh, culture, uh, especially a culture for the empowerment of women. Uh, you know, it's needed more than many of us know. Um, but the process of um, building this organization starts to create a cascade, and that's what the parlay effect is. And, and I tell stories in the book of really small things that happen that have disproportionate value, not only for the people in the middle of the chain, but for people who uh, watch it or are witness to it. For example, um, I was mentoring a young woman in Cambodia who was trying to get a scholarship to come to the U.S. to go to college. She was a first, you know, this is a country who has just come out of a genocide. Her parents are uneducated. They live in the rural area. Both of her older sisters got married young, didn't go to college. And this is a high-performing young woman who said, ah, I want to be the next economist in this country. She's super smart, top in her class. You know, national exam scores were excellent. And I was helping her application and TOEFL exam, which is English as a second language, was terribly proctored in Cambodia. It was chaotic. The timing was off. It was the directions were unclear, and it was super stressful. And the first time she took it, she didn't do well enough to go to one of the top-level schools that she wanted to go to. But she knew she could. She just was having kind of a panic attack. And a few days earlier, I had met a woman at Parlay House who was 27 years old, and we talked about what she loved doing. And what she loves doing is taking her yoga practice and her mindfulness practice and bringing it to inner city schools to help kids who have stress and anxiety and anger deal with them in more productive ways. And so I all of a sudden thought and was talking to her at the next visit, and I said, "Here's, you know, do you think something like that works on the phone with strangers? And she said, absolutely. I told her about my student. She said, why don't I call her and see if I can give her the skills to get through this exam? It, it, it's pretty basic what she needs to do. So one young woman, a 27-year-old, got on the phone and called a complete stranger, a 21-year-old in Cambodia, talked to her about basic stress coping mechanisms. Literally, it was a 15-minute phone call. And of course, it worked. And this young woman is about to graduate from Scripps College in Southern California. She went to London School of Economics. And it was just opened the door for her life to transform and for her to become part of the transformation of her country when she returns to her country. And I started seeing those effects of one woman doing one small thing for another woman who then was able to open the door for others. This, this uh, Cambodian girl came to Scripps College, is really good at math, started 
uh, mentoring and tutoring kids in math because that was her strength and that was her sort of 15 minutes of advice that could change the course for for somebody else. And these cascades started becoming exponential. So the book shows market research about um, how cascades of good actually grow not in a nonlinear way and pass on to society in a way that gives us hope that we have more control of shaping our communities than we sometimes feel that we do. And in this day and age, to me, that feels like one of the best things we could be bringing to each other. The best and the most important. This is what the world needs now. And as you began this uh, back in 2012, you had no concept of that, did you, Anne? But no, he, but no, it, see, it, it's so needed. It's so important. And I think that also is such a, a great message for any of us. We don't know what we do today, how it then will impact us next year and 10 years down the road. But here's an opportunity for us to discover that and really check out being at one of the events coming up on March 5th and 6th. Yes, we would love to have you. So just reach out to us uh, on the Parlay House website. Perfect. Well, this has been so wonderful, so exciting to learn that there are these concrete steps that we can take and really make these invaluable connections with each other. And and this has been one of them, and Devereaux Mills, to connect with you this morning. I've loved being with you and can't wait to be with you in person next week. Wonderful. Thank you so greatly. And with that, we are at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Anne Devereaux Mills and Sunday Morning Magazine with Amber, Portia, and Janela. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab and look for the show and guest names. Now I wish you and your family a day of acknowledging yourself, acknowledging the women in your life. Have a week of the same and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.